All right. I think he's on now, right? We're good? All right. I just want to say it's always a blessing to be able to come back to Open Door Bible Baptist Church. Uh, we count the Montoro family a very, very good friends of ours, and we're very thankful that we'd have an opportunity to be able to be back here. Uh, but many of you uh, have heard of some of the events that's been going on in our ministry and uh, how I broke my leg back in December. I've had a few people ask about that already, and I just want to thank many of you for praying. Uh, it works, I promise. And uh, my leg is back to somewhat functioning, so hallelujah for that. I'm not on a cane anymore, not on crutches or wheelchairs. So, again, I'm very thankful for the many of you that have prayed uh, for that uh, aspect. Uh, also, by way of what we're looking to at the moment, uh, we just began our uh, filing our introductory paperwork for our visa process. And so uh, we started with what they call the Certificate of Eligibility. So we have filed for that. And uh, Lord willing, we'll hear you back next week, uh, get an answer on that, and get that form in. And once we get that, then we can then get the visa paperwork to begin filing the final visa paperwork to be able to then go to Japan. And so we're getting very, very close. Uh, we also uh, are basically done with deputation by way of traveling to raise support. So, again, God has answered prayer there. Uh, we've got all the support that we need to be able to make the move. And so uh, we're basically just waiting on the visa paperwork, and we'll be ready to go. Um, we also already have somebody that has uh, basically purchased the tickets for us, if you would. He works for American Airlines at my home church. And so he said, hey, whenever you're ready to fly, I've been saving up for tickets already for you, so i got them covered. All you got to do is just pay for taxes. Uh, so hallelujah. Instead of $1,500 or $1,500 for every ticket, we're only having to pay $150 a ticket. So hallelujah for that as well. So again, it's just amazing to see uh, how the Lord is working. We also, I believe, have found a house. Uh, we've uh, been praying over it for a few months now. Uh, the Lord has kept it actually available for the last year. It's stayed open and nobody's rented it yet. Uh, which this type of a house, again, all the details that go into it is just exciting. Uh, but we've started working on the paperwork to possibly get that home as well. And so we're just excited. It seems as though everything's starting to fall right into place. And uh, we're just excited about what the Lord is doing. I, I don't know how else to say it except for I'm just excited. So hallelujah, right? But uh, So that's a bad way of basically where we're at in our, uh, in our deputation trail. Anything else? I'm forgetting. Okay. All right. Well, in that case, then I'd like to go ahead and invite you to turn in your Bibles with me tonight uh, to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. We're going to read verses 16 through 22 is going to be our passage for this evening. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 22. I'll give you a few moments to turn there. And this evening I'm going to bring a message to you I've entitled, How is Your Prayer Life? How is Your Prayer Life? I'd like to go ahead and invite you, uh, if you're willing and able, to stand for the reading, out of the respect of the reading of God's Word this evening. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 16, the Bible says, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit, despise not prophesying. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Verse 22, abstain from all appearances of evil. I'd like to go ahead and begin in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this day that you've given us. We thank you that this is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for the safety and how you've protected all of us and allowing us to be able to be here this evening. 
Thank you for the songs that were sung, lifting up praise to you there, and also for the time of giving thanks uh, for the many things that you have done for your people in, here tonight. It's been an encouragement to my heart already. And uh, this evening now, as we get into the message, we ask and pray that you would be honored and glorified through it. I pray that you would help me to recall the things that I've studied over and that you would guide my thoughts this evening and help me, most importantly, to rightly divide the word of truth. Well, thank you for it. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. You may be seated. I think I can pretty well say that this church is a church that I believe understands prayer. Uh, just in, in the time of being able to talk together and to share different praises of what God has been doing in our lives and, and then to be even to take a moment of time to be able to pray. And then also, as I've had many of you, again, have asked and inquired about where we are in our deputation, hey, I've been praying for you. Hey, how's your leg doing? I've been praying for you. For that, I want to say I'm thankful for that. But tonight, as we think about the idea, the thought of what the Apostle Paul was trying to get to the, get across to the church of Thessalonica here tonight, he was giving them the challenge to pray without ceasing. As we think about prayer and the, the importance of prayer and the value of prayer and the, uh, the, the, the way of praying, if you would with me tonight, I believe that prayer really is quite possibly the most powerful and most blessed gift that we have as a Christian. But I believe it's also the most neglected among many Christians today. Many Christians don't understand even how to pray. In fact, even the disciples themselves were some of those that would have been involved in that. In fact, Jesus Christ had to teach his own disciples how to pray. But not only is it important to learn how to pray, but it's also important to work on our prayer life, to exercise it, to allow God to build it and to grow it. Prayer also is a direct line of communication with the Creator Himself. Prayer is asking what we don't have to the One who has it all. Prayer also is something that even the lost know how to do. Many of you, if you work a secular job, you can probably understand what I mean by this. Uh, when I had opportunity to work uh, outside of, obviously, before we got into doing deputation and, and working in the ministry, I would have people that would come up and say, Hey, Chris, we know you're a Christian. Would you pray for us about da 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 whatever it was? And I'm like, well, why would you ask me to pray? Like, you don't, you don't care about church. You don't care about the Bible, right? But even lost people, they know the value of prayer. But prayer also is many times directed to false gods that can't even hear the prayers of the people that are praying them. Prayer is a vital part of the effectiveness of a Christian, and without it, the Christian is easily defeated. As we think about where the Apostle Paul was here in our chapter of 1 Thessalonians in chapter number 5, he would begin the chapter off with, with talking specifically about what is coming in the end times, leading towards the end times of what we would know to be the time of the human race, if you would with me tonight. But not only was he talking about the coming to the end times, he also would give them uh, some warning and some instruction about uh, specifically being children of light. Coming into the end times, he would teach them about the importance of shining bright and being a great Christian and having a great testimony in that aspect there. But then also as we would approach where we would find him in our text, he would give a few uh, precepts, if you would. A, a few ideas or a few uh, laws, if you would, or a few uh, different I ideas of how to live a victorious Christian life. And that's where we would find him in our passage, specifically in verse number 16 and reading all the way down through verse number 22. But I believe that after he would give these precepts, these, these thoughts of how to live the victorious Christian life, he, in, he would ultimately end the chapter with challenging the church of Thessalonica to end faithfully. And part of being able to end faithfully is to start faithfully. And how can one do that? By learning the importance and the value of what real prayer is all about. 
So the Apostle Paul specifically, I want to point our attention and direct our attention to verse number 17. I believe that this is really the, the main idea that the Apostle Paul was trying to get out to us here in our passage tonight. In verse number 17 it says, pray without ceasing. A short verse, but I believe a very powerful verse. The only, only three words, I believe that it is a very powerful verse. And I believe as we begin to expand the thought of the Apostle Paul challenging the church to pray, I believe that we'll get to a common agreement at the end of it. That prayer indeed is a vital part of every Christian today. The word that here, as the Apostle Paul would pin it, would pin it for us, I apologize, my allergies are acting up a little bit, sorry. But as he would say the word pray, the word prayer here means to, to supplicate or to, to worship. And I wanted to understand a little bit more what the Apostle Paul was talking about. Uh, I love to do research on, on words and to study words out and to try to understand their meaning. I, I love, for instance, Webster's 1828 Dictionary. That dictionary by itself will preach. If you don't believe me, just go get a copy of it yourself and just be blessed. Amen. But as you read through and you get different definitions, a lot of times he'll give verses to go along with that. And he'll give his own little two cents about it. It's just a, it's a wonderful dictionary. But in his dictionary, he would state this about prayer. It says, to ask with earnestness or zeal as for a favor or for something desirable, to entreat or to supplicate. Well, how can we picture that tonight? I have an easy illustration. My children are just like many other people's children. They love sugar. Can I get a witness? Amen. All right. They love sweet things. They love cookies and ice cream and all those other things that are nice and appealing candy. Right. So we got to go down to FAO Schwartz yesterday and we, we passed by the gummy bears and like you could smell them for like a mile away. It's just amazing. All the flavors over there. And my children were getting excited. We walked in the candy aisle and my children began to pray. What do I mean by that? They began to ask with great earnestness and zeal as for favors for something desirable, right? Mom, Dad, can we please have some candy? Right? Some of y'all are looking at me like, what is this guy talking about? Okay, fine. We'll move on. So, <laughs> have you ever gotten to that point, perhaps, right? Where you want something very, very much, right? I can remember when I wanted my first car. It was getting to that point where it was ready for me to drive, and I was excited about it. My parents were terrified, right? And I was like, Mom, Dad, can I have a car? Please, come on, please, 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 please. And they looked at me like, well, you got some girl on trees. You're going to have to work for that, right? But I was begging. I was, I was asking with great earnestness or zeal. That's for a favor. Like, hey, can you buy me a car, please, right? I mean, let's just get down to it, right? Well, here it is that the Apostle Paul was challenging the church of Thessalonica to pray, as in to earnestly ask with zeal or for, you know, for a favor, to beg and to plead without ceasing. Matthew Henry in his commentary would state this about specifically this verse. He said, we should pray always and not faint, according to Luke 18.1. We should pray without weariness and continue in prayer, according to Colossians 4 and verse 2. Till we come to that world where prayer shall be swallowed up in praise. As in the meaning is not that men should do nothing but pray, but that nothing else we do should hinder prayer in its proper season. Prayer will help forward and not hinder all other lawful business in every good work. And I'm thankful to say that I believe that you all have that understanding of prayer. Because we mentioned as we, as Pastor passed out the prayer list this evening, as you would take up a couple times, a couple people would come in and they would give their thanksgiving. 
then what would happen? You would immediately turn to a heart of prayer. You would immediately go and to thank God for what God has done. And I believe that that is a great testimony of what you all understand of what prayer is all about. But the Apostle Paul, I believe specifically, was a man that lived a life of prayer. We would look at many times that the Apostle Paul is... For instance, for us as missionaries, we would look at the Apostle Paul and go, man, that guy was a great man of God. He was a great missionary example. We would model many times you would hear of the Pauline epistle or the Pauline approach to missionary work and things of such there. We would look at him as a great man of God and we would hold him up with, with a, a great amount of respect for what he was able to accomplish for the cause of Christ. We look at him many times and say he was a very bold man. In fact, he would go to the synagogues and to the temples and other places of religious uh, areas uh, uh, during that time, and he would challenge those religious believers or those religious people at that time, and he would challenge them with the truth of God's Word. He also was very zealous about giving the Word of God out. He was very passionate about it. He was many times with, what was, was, was moved to do something great. But many times I believe that we, we would look at all those great aspects of the Apostle Paul's life, but I think that we fail to see that the Apostle Paul was a man that was truly given over to prayer. And I believe that that's why he would challenge the church of Thessalonica to be a church of prayer, to pray without ceasing, to continually to be in a mindset of prayer and to be constantly praying and asking God for help or to be praying and thanking God for what he has done. From the time of his conversion on the road to Damascus, I believe, to the very end of his life, this man was a man that was full of prayer. His life, his testimony would all tell us that this man was a man that was 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 passionate was zealous about praying. In fact, many times after you would look at from his conversion through the end of his life, you would find as he would pin the words to many of the Pauline epistles, he would either state it at the very beginning, I thank God for you in my prayers. Or many times at the end of his passage, at the end of his chapters, or, or the end of his books, he would say, I thank you for your prayers for me. Or something to that effect. He would use the word pray or prayer or prayers. Praying. He would use those words that are a very common word that you'll find all throughout the Pauline epistles. Mentioned numerous times. But specifically in 1 Thessalonians in chapter 5, in our passage tonight, he delivered the very powerful verse, again, those short in words, only three words long, was a very powerful verse that I believe would ultimately drive the church to its knees in prayer. He would challenge him to pray without ceasing. See, I believe that you can act like a Christian without prayer. But I believe that in order to truly, indeed, be a Christian, you must be a person of prayer. If you were to separate, for instance, if you were to separate a Christian from their prayer life, they really would cease to actually be a Christian. Because as they were called first in Antioch, they were called Christians there. That means to be a little Christ or to be Christ-like. Jesus Christ himself, many times all throughout the Gospels, you would see that he was praying about this or praying about that. He was praying for this or thanking God for that. And there were many times that Jesus Christ himself was a man that was given to prayer. So if we are to be Christians, Christ-like, we must live in that example. Being a person that is truly given over to prayer. And I believe that every surrounding verse in our passage tonight hinges truly upon verse number 17, where it says that we are to pray without ceasing. <clears throat> Even the lost world, outside the doors of this church, know and understand the importance and the value of prayer. By way of naming a few different religions tonight, and we'll kind of tell about what they are and what they believe or what they practice in tonight, 
I hope that we can see some correlation in between what we would believe and what we would practice even here. In Islam, they have what is called the Salat. The Salat is a prayer that is prayed five times a day. It is also known as the second pillar of Islam and is to be followed without question. As in, if you want to truly indeed be a, 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 an Islamic person, a Muslim by religion, one of the first things that they teach you to do is to pray. The first pillar would be that Allah is God. That essentially is what it is if you were to translate it out. Allah is God. Anything else, any other God that is out there is not God. There's one God and his name is Allah. That's pillar number one. Pillar number two is the Salat. That would be the prayer. Praying to Allah for different things. In Buddhism, they have what is known as the mantra. If it is prayed or is repeated enough times a day, they believe it to open, to open the mind to consciousness of self. As in, if they were to go and they were to pray over this mantra, it's basically kind of their code. It's almost like the, the introduction to Buddhism, if you would, with me tonight. If you were to look at their mantra, you were to get their, 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 their book, the Buddha Bible. In the Buddha Bible, it teaches about the mantra. And in that is the introduction to Buddhism. And in Buddhism, it would teach you the importance and the value of prayer. And in praying these certain phrases, these certain statements, they believe that it opens the mind to self-consciousness. As in, you can learn who that you really are by praying these prayers over and over and over and over and over again. They believe it to open the mind. According to BuddhaNet.net, this is what they would say specifically about Buddhism in Japan. They said that in Japan, millions of Buddhists pray to Amida Buddha, the Buddha of infinite light. They believe that Amida has created a pure land in the West and that those that have faith and repeat Amida's name in prayer will go there. But they also believe that Amida Buddha also resides inside of them. So as they go and they begin to pray to Amida Buddha and they pray and pray and pray and pray and over and over, I mean constantly. I don't know if you've ever seen a Buddhist monk before. Is anybody actually in here? Just by raise of hands. I just want to see. Okay, I see a few people. All right. Uh, yesterday, we were in Central Park and we saw one. And guess what he was doing? Before we even got up to him, he was, he was kind of up, uh, up part of one of the rocks in, in, in this area that we were at in Central Park. And he was bowing over and over and over again. And then he would get down on his knees. I'm not going to try that tonight. My, my leg's not happy tonight. But he would get down on his knees and he, and he crouched down. And he then started to bow all the way down. And what was he doing? He was praying right here, the mantra of Buddhism. He was asking for enlightenment to, to seek inner, inner self is basically what he was doing. After he got done praying, we watched the guy come out, came down off the rock where he was at. And he came down and he began to reach into his bag and to bring out these bracelets of beads and other things. And they believe that there's good spirits or possibly evil spirits in them or, or different spirit beings inside of them. And they believe that after they pray that they would take the spirit God of Buddha and they would use that to infuse it into these bracelets and these beads and things like that. It's, it's, it's very wicked, very, very wicked religion. But he was praying there to a Buddha and asking for Buddha's help in, in that. But as we think about... Not only them, in Japan as well, again, as we're missionaries going to Japan, so I've done a lot of study, obviously, on that. In Shintoism, they have what is called <clears throat> their, their prayer in Shintoism. They would, they would pray certain phrases or words that they believe put a spirit to their words and honors their gods. So as they would use certain trigger words, they believe that those trigger words then infuse that word or whatever they're praying about, that it would bring a spirit being and it would put that spirit being to whatever that they're praying for. In Shintoism, you have a lot of what is called 
nature worship, spirit worship in that aspect of things. So in their prayers in Shintoism, again, they would pray. And in praying and praying this prayer over and over and over again, that it would infuse whatever that is with a spirit being. In Catholicism, they have what's known as the rosary. They would pray around the rosary many times a day. Uh, many of them that were devout Roman Catholic would pray for that way. In Satanism, they also would pray to Satan himself. Uh, in my hometown, there's a very big movement of Satanism. Uh, Satan worship there in my, in my hometown. Uh, I mean, it's very, very wicked stuff. But there, uh, I, I wanted to do some research, obviously, coming from and understanding a little bit about that and the dangers of Satanism. Uh, it was mentioned in a press release by, a Satan, by one of the highest Satanist high priests here in America. This is what he stated about Christianity. He said in big capital letters, he made sure it was brought out. Okay, all right. So this, was, this is what he said. They had the power, talking about Christians. He said they had the power because they used to pray, but since have lost it because they have ceased to pray. He said that before he would even approach a person and begin trying to reach them for Satan, he would know if that person really believed in prayer and if they truly indeed practiced prayer. Before even talking to them, he already knew that. Later, he would also account that it was through the faithful prayers of somebody in his own life. He didn't name them by name, but stated that it was because of their prayers that eventually he would come to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He would be reaching. He's also he, he now is a pastor here in the States. Uh, doesn't pastor a church exactly like, you know, like this one. But uh, I just thought it was amazing that the power of prayer would save this high priest out of Satanism and would turn him to the truth of the gospel. Again, just amazing. But according to all these facts that we've covered tonight in these different religions, I believe that there are more that are praying to Satan himself or to the demons himself instead of praying to the God of the Bible. And that's why I believe that it was important and why the Apostle Paul would even challenge the church of Thessalonica to pray without ceasing, as in to continually be in prayer. As the Apostle Paul would challenge the church in verse number 17 to pray without ceasing. He would use specifically that word without, meaning in a negative connotation, as in to not cease, to continually be in that mindset of that prayer. So how then should the church, how then should the church pray? The church should pray without ceasing, never stopping, always in a season of prayer. Not that prayer should hinder, as Matthew Henry would have stated at the beginning, not that prayer should hinder your work, for instance, like you wouldn't want to go to work tomorrow and you just spend all day at work tomorrow just praying. That's foolishness. But what he's saying is that prayer should be done in a way that it would not hinder those things that need to be done, but that it would help encourage the believer to be able to continue to do what God has called them to do. Why would he have advised the church to pray without ceasing? I'd like to use the verses that we read tonight as our passage to explain why I believe the Apostle Paul would have challenged the church to pray without ceasing. Verse number 16 says, rejoice evermore, because a heart of rejoicing evermore should drive us to our knees in prayer for all that he has done for us. He would challenge the church to pray without ceasing, because in verse number 18, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, because giving of thanks is clearly mentioned as the will of God and also can be done through a heart of prayer. Why would he have challenged the church to pray without ceasing? In verse 19, it says, quench not the spirit. Because praying and asking God to keep our hearts tender will help us from quenching the Holy Spirit and allowing Him to speak to us and to work in our hearts and in our lives. Why would He challenge the church to pray without ceasing? Verse number 20, despise not prophesying. Because a constant heart of prayer will also help us 
to love the preaching of God's Word? Why would He challenge the church to pray without ceasing? Verse number 21. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Because praying continually will allow God to help us to test and to try all things. Leading one to hold fast to that which is good for us. And how are we to know? In fact, how are we to know what is really good for us in our lives? If we're not asking the one that is good. If we're not asking the source of goodness in our lives. If we're not asking God, well, what indeed is good for us? Many times when we pray, sadly, the answer is no. And it's not that God is not good. It's because God knows what is good for us. And many times what we're praying for, God says, you know what? Right now, maybe that's not good for you. And he'll answer with a no. But then in verse number 22, why would he challenge the church to pray without ceasing? It says to abstain from all appearances of evil. Because praying and asking God for his help throughout our day will help us to abstain from all appearances of evil. And how true that that is. Many times when those thoughts those things that come into your mind may begin to get you thinking wrong. You can go before God and to ask God to help. And it will help to redirect you and to set you back where you need to be mentally and spiritually. Many times when things come our way that we want to spend time complaining and, 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 and bickering and, and, and being really just a poor Christian. We can go to God in prayer and we can ask God to help us and to forgive us of that spirit. And to ask, us to, 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 to ask Him to help us to have a spirit of thanksgiving for what He has done in our lives. We can spend time rejoicing evermore. Really, prayer is a vital part because prayer can be, can be accomplished through every one of these verses. Every one of these verses prove how prayer can be used in one's life. If you remove prayer from the Christian's life, you remove all these precepts that we're asked or commanded to abide by, to live by, by the Apostle Paul. Ian Bounds, I believe, was one of the greatest people that understood what prayer was all about. I would challenge many of you to, to read some of his writings on prayer. I believe that he, he had a great understanding of what prayer was. And many of his books would also mention that he himself had not even achieved uh, a, a good life of prayer. But he would write in many of his books about the power of it, the pursuit of prayer, the, 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 the effectiveness of prayer, uh, the, the responsibility of prayer, many of these aspects of what prayer is all about. And as I was reading in some of his works, I came across this statement that he made in one of his books. He said, little prayer, little power, much prayer, much power. So in order for a Christian to truly be effective, I believe that a Christian must be a person given to prayer. Jesus Christ himself would ask for power. Jesus Christ himself would ask for help. In fact, there were times where Jesus Christ himself would even ask of the Father, let this cup pass from me. But would later in his prayer would say, not my will, but thy will be done, O Lord. How many times do we pray prayers like those in our own lives? Or do we ever pray prayers like those in our lives? Asking truly of the will of the Father. But not only is it important for us to pray without ceasing. But it's important to note as well that in praying to God the Father, according to Psalm 66 and verse 18, it says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So not only would a Christian not have to pray in order to be defeated in their life, the Bible tells us here in Psalm 66 that if we regard iniquity in our heart, as in if we have unconfessed sin in our hearts, that by itself can hinder our prayers from being heard and being answered. So then I think it's important why the Apostle Paul would then tell us 
and would give us the challenge to pray without ceasing because he understood that if we are not confessing our sin before him, if we're not being cleansed and then we're not spending time in thanksgiving for what God has done for us, the Christian would be very easily defeated in their life. As I thought about the importance of verse 17 about praying without ceasing, as I was studying for this message and starting to kind of put some thoughts together, God reminded me of a specific time in my life where we, as a family, my my parents and I and the rest of my siblings, we used to spend time together in family devotions, uh, normally in our living room. And during our time of devotions, many times uh, my grandfather, Grandpa Bob is what we used to call him, uh, he would continually come up in in our prayer time. My, my parents would mention him in prayer and would say, you know, we need to pray tonight for Grandpa Bob. He's not saved. Uh, we've, we've had opportunity to talk with him, and, and he's just simply not interested. And so there were many times that we would spend time in, in prayer together as a family, just praying for my Grandpa Bob. <clears throat> and growing up in, in that and uh, hearing my dad pray for him and mention him by name and my mom mentioning him by, by name and hearing all those prayers, as I got a little older, I began to wonder, is God even hearing our prayers? I mean, we've been praying for years and years and years. I mean, this went on for eight to ten years. We prayed constantly. I mean, almost every day for my Grandpa Bob in our family devotions. He was on our prayer list at my church, and we would pray for him, you know, during our prayer time on Wednesday nights. And, and I was just began to wonder, is God hearing our prayers? Is He doing anything about it? But that's because I was looking at it from my point of view. Many times I, I would walk through, uh, as my grandparents would come and stay with us at times that my parents' home, they would, in passing through from West Virginia back down to South Carolina to the beach where they had another home there, or vice versa, they were going back up to West Virginia, they would come and stay with us. And my dad would, many times I'd get up in the morning and I would walk down and before church, my dad would be down, down, in, the living, uh, down in the living room or in the dining room and, and he would have his Bible out and he'd be sitting there talking with my grandpa Bob over a cup of coffee and he would be telling him about the love of Jesus Christ and would be telling him about how that he could be saved and how that God loved him and wanted him to be saved. And I remember many times hearing my grandfather say, but if you knew what, I, what I've done in my life, if you knew who I was, how and why would God love me enough to die for me? Why, why would he do something like that for somebody he doesn't really even know? How could he love a sinner like me? And my father would continue to reason with him out of the Scriptures and tell him about, about God and how that God loves everybody. He's not conditioned to, to a, an elect group of individuals. He, he's not in, involved in that. God loves everybody. In, in fact, one of the most famous verses that we teach many of our children is John 3.16. He loved the world, every one of us, right? But as I heard many of those conversations go on, I began to wonder as a young child, is God even hearing what we're saying? And I began to wonder and to question and to even doubt many of our prayers that we, we prayed for my grandfather. Now you fast forward from when I was preteen and hearing those prayers and even all the way through my teen years into my early 20s. I believe it was when I was, uh, I think, 22. might have been 23, somewhere in that area. I remember getting a phone call on a Sunday afternoon. My grandfather had gone to the church that was close to his house, uh, right up the road from his house there in West Virginia. And for some reason, we still don't even know what happened. But he went in, and something that the pastor said that day, God knocked on his heart. My grandfather got up during the time of invitation, and he walked the aisle. And that pastor there had been praying for my grandfather for many, many, many years as well. And he had an opportunity to lead my grandfather to the Lord. 
He got on the phone and he called my dad right after service. Alan, thank you for not quitting. That's my dad's name. Thank you for spending time praying for me. He goes, many times I heard you praying in the mornings in your, own devo- in your morning devotions and you prayed for me. And I know that you as a family, you prayed for me. I even heard you as a family in my own home many times praying for me, praying for my salvation. And when I would hear those prayers, I would be angry and I would get angry and bitter at you for praying those prayers. But he goes, today, God knocked on my heart and spoke to me and I got saved. Thank you for not quitting. He said, I don't, I would hate to know where I would go if it wasn't for your prayers and what God had done in my life. Thank you for praying for me. That day, God taught me a very important lesson. We serve a God that has ears and hears us. And hallelujah, and thank the Lord for that. But we serve a God that also inclines His ears to us many times when we pray. When times come and we may think in our lives as many Christians, by their own testimony, that have now left the church, as we've had opportunity to talk to a few on deputation, I don't believe in church anymore. But why not? God never answered my prayer. Well, maybe it's because you quit too early. Maybe it's because you threw in the towel too early. Maybe it's because you came to God with an idea and a thought that God, the God of the Bible is a genie in a bottle, if you would, with me tonight. Well, God, I prayed to you. You should have answered my prayers. Well, maybe you did. It's just you didn't see the answer. Maybe it was because the answer that you were praying wasn't the answer that God gave you. I believe that that's why the Apostle Paul would challenge the church of Thessalonica to pray without ceasing. Because he knew that there were going to be hard times in the church of Thessalonica. There were going to be times that would come in the future where this church would have to understand the importance and the value of prayer. Because when those hard times would come, they would have to look back and go, you know what? God was faithful here to answer those prayers in our life. Yes, we prayed for maybe years and years and years and years, but God came true and came faithful and answered those prayers And if God was faithful back then, God is going to continue to be faithful in our life today and tomorrow and on and on and on and on throughout our Christian life. Can I tell you, the God of the Bible is a God of faithfulness. He's a God that hears us and answers our prayers and and loves to hear the prayers of His people. For many of us in here this evening that are parents, don't you just love it when your children come and they say, Mommy, Daddy, can you help me with so-and-so? Mommy, Daddy, can I have... Fill in the blank. And isn't it just amazing when you get that opportunity to provide that for them or to help them? Like my son is just now trying to figure out this, this whole shoe business, right? He hates shoes. We're from South Carolina, right? We, we're not exactly, you know, up to par with the rest of the country, amen? We like to have no shoes on. So he's that kid. <clears throat> well, he's starting to figure this out. Well, he just now has figured out, I can't do this on my own. So what's he say? Just even tonight, Daddy, can you help me with my shoes? It was just, it was so enjoyable for me to go over and say, yes, son, I'd love to help you. I helped him get his shoes on and get them ready. It's just exciting, right? You love as a parent to be able to help your children. Well, guess what? God is the same way. He loves to hear His people come and to pray and ask Him for things. He loves to be able to answer those prayers. Why? Because God is a good God. And I believe that that's why the Apostle Paul, again, would challenge the church of Thessalonica to pray without ceasing. But as the Apostle Paul would conclude his life, I believe that he understood, knew the power of prayer. 
And that's why he would challenge this church here in Thessalonica to pray without ceasing. He would challenge the church to pray, to pray more, and to pray harder than ever before. But if we were to think about the aspect of prayer, what a wonderful testimony it would be to, at the end of our lives, perhaps on the epitaph of our tombstone, to have it pinned, man of prayer, woman of prayer. As Ian Bounds would say, little prayer, little power, much prayer, much power. So if you want to be an effective Christian for God, you must, you must, you must, you must be a person of prayer. There are many other examples of the power of prayer and the effectiveness of prayer given all throughout the Bible and what God can accomplish through prayer. But the Apostle Paul understood the importance of prayer, and this is why he would exhort the church, he would challenge the church to pray without ceasing. Tonight, I'd like to give you a challenge. Maybe tonight, you need to come and to just simply spend some time in prayer and asking God to help you get right with Him. Because in order to be able to fully be used to your greatest capacity, you've got to be a clean vessel in the hands of the Master. Maybe another aspect of what we can cover tonight in prayer is that maybe tonight what you need to do is to come and to just spend some time in prayer thanking God for who He is. Don't come and ask God for this and this and this and this. Many times we approach God again with our laundry list of prayers. Pray for this and this and this and this and this and this. But yet we fail many times to go and to thank God for answering this and answering that and answering that. So maybe tonight what, we, what you may need to do is to come and just simply thank God for His goodness to you in hearing your prayers and answering your prayers. But maybe tonight, as Jesus Christ Himself will give the great challenge to His own disciples to pray for more laborers, to pray for the lost people all around the world, maybe tonight that's what could be a focus of prayer. It's coming and asking God to use you to help somebody gain access to the greatest story ever told, the story of Jesus Christ. Maybe tonight you need to pray for somebody that may be your co-worker, your neighbor, your friend, whatever it may be, a person that you play sports with, maybe come tonight and pray and ask that God will give you an opportunity to share the gospel with them so that they can be saved. How is the church going to press on to the next generation? Only in the mindset and in the heart of praying without ceasing. So can I ask you tonight, how are you doing? How are you doing in your prayer life? Do you really believe in prayer? And how? Is your prayer life doing? Listen in prayer. Our heavenly.